Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Dark Phoenix. In the year 2006, the X-Men movies finally tackle one of the most celebrated X-Men storylines ever, the Dark Phoenix saga. Not, not e- that one. What? Not, not that one. The other one. We're doing the Dark Phoenix, though, right? Right, right. Yeah, so X-Men 3. You got the year wrong. It's a new one. We're doing the new one. But what's the new X-Men film? Dark Phoenix. Oh, like, you mean X3? No, I mean Dark Phoenix. Ah, so it's like... Brian Singer did two X-Men films. There's no Brian Singer. But he didn't Singer. get to do Dark Phoenix. So now he's come back and did an X-Men film, and then it's like, now I can do Dark Phoenix. No, he did that. They left again. But, yes, today it's going to be um, 2019's Dark Phoenix with the rantings of Matt. And the rantings of Luke. Here for Matt and Luke's uh, Sci-Fi Sanctuary. This is the most recent film we've ever done, I think. Very recent. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we do have Godzilla on the mind, but this and we'll, we'll get to some other recent things. But this is by far the most recent we've done uh, because... We both have some X-Men geek genes rolling through, I think. Oh, definitely. G-E-N-E. I also have a lot of gene in me. <laughs> I like Jean. Yeah, yeah, she's cool. But <laughs> <laughs> Now, we often get into like the pre-production and how this film came to be, but in the case, this one just kind of showed up. <laughs> yeah, it came to be because of the inevitability of the modern movie-making machine. <laughs> like... I imagine it was one of those cases where before anyone creative had been involved, someone in a boardroom just wrote down, uh, okay, on this date, there's no big movie, so Untitled X-Men Project, enter. (laughs) Okay, what comes out on this date? I actually became aware of this one in the movie theater from a preview. Um, I somehow didn't see any buzz about it. I guess I've been troweling the boards less, but uh, making my 80th Avengers Endgame reference on this podcast, I was watching that one day, the previews. My daughter's with me. I'm joking. Like, they have a line. Oh, didn't they make that already? Lying. <laughs> that was a movie already. And something else. Probably Disney, too. And then, like, wait, they really did make this already. <laughs> I didn't know it was a movie. I became aware of it for an even dumber reason. I saw it on Sophie Turner's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. She's doing another X-Men. I kind of forgot she was in Apocalypse, but what ifs? Yeah, I mean, you she was, even... kind, she was kind of a bit part in Apocalypse, so are we really ready to give her the starring role in a Phoenix film? Like... <laughs> Who else are you going to cast as Phoenix? Well, no, like there's mean, been another one. Just give these characters some growth and then do Dark Phoenix. Like... <laughs> We're going to get into that a bit more. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> so um, you and I briefly considered going to the theater to see this. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier. We were going to see this. 
And then we delayed our plans for a week and Spider-Man Far From Home came out and we said, oh, fuck it, we'll see that. Yeah, which is the correct decision. Yep. But uh, here we are. Um, You're probably a bit more of an X-Men fan than me, <clears throat> by a little. Yeah, but in a way that doesn't jive with people. Most people, you say you're an X-Men fan, you're really into the 90s animated series, I think? For my generation, at least. Okay. So, I'm a little older. Um, I started getting into the X-Men, popping them off of newsstands around 1987, and reading them from there, the the Chris Claremont classic run, and a few years in, like, picking up, you know, the trade paperbacks of Dark Phoenix and all of that, and... um, Also... Ironically, we're probably nostalgic about the same stories. Just you read them as comic books, and I read them when they were adapted into the animated series. Yeah, yeah. Seven years later, really. How much does The Brood come in? They come in. Okay, cool. I haven't seen the animated series. I just know the comic books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, as I said on my Spider-Man episode, I had the lucky position of having an uncle who bought all the comics. Because mm. he was living with his parents and working a full-time job and getting a, you know, a foot-high stack of comic books imported <laughs> from the comic shop every month. So I was reading all of X-Men, all of Spider-Man, Superman, Batman. So at the time, X-Men wasn't something that I sought out because I loved X-Men. They were just among the other comics I read. Although I, I did enjoy the animated series. I think I had a few action figures. I remember having a juggernaut. I had a Cyclops costume, but I just used to wear the visor and say I was Geordie LaForge. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's a secondary thing. Um, like, I actually went rereading the Claremont run here. I thought I had read all of it. And basically, I had read everything up through Days of Future Past, which includes Dark Phoenix. And I'd read everything from uh, 2000 up, where Magneto actually takes on Xavier's role. Mm. I hadn't read on... Uh, read, hadn't read it on. Had I hadn't read much of the in-between ones, it turns out, although now I have, so... Okay. I, I've... I've I'm going to take that badge of now being a Claremont expert. Okay. So, yeah, my comics knowledge is mostly... I definitely have read a lot of that stuff, but I mostly read later. Like when Whedon was writing, I think. He didn't do it that long. He did a good no. job. But, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> but again, he wrote... He didn't write comics. He wrote TV, which yeah. is a problem with a lot of more recent comics. And, and I did come back on for a year or two when Grant Morrison was writing X-Men, because that was a pretty cool run. I've heard that, but I don't think I've read much of it. You like all I, sorts I love of Grant Morrison. I love all Grant Morrison. Okay. Stuff. I just haven't read it. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a very nice run. Uh, there were some art issues, but the writing was fine. But yeah, so I'd always been aware of and had something of a love for the X-Men, but it wasn't like... Like I said, Spider-Man was my boy. After that was probably Supes. Um, Superman and Batman, maybe? But X-Men were, you know, up there. I enjoyed X-Men. You know, when I was in junior high school, I was, I was just waiting for my op- optic blast to start going someday. Oh, yeah, well... I thought, see, I, I thought it would happen. I was just thinking... Judging up my options, do I want to go to Xavier's? Do I want to go to Hogwarts? <laughs> Ultimately, I think I prefer X-Men to Harry Potter, but you've got to choose Hogwarts because you might get a shit mutation. Yeah, Xavier's a lot more dangerous. You could be that dude that has the bone spurs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not cool. Like, there's no guarantee you're going to be one of the cool ones. <laughs> you could just be that kid who can change channels. <laughs> no, no, they had that in the New Mutants. Uh, Cypher. He was the guy that he could understand any language. Oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> and then he got shot. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, the... When I would say I became an X-Men fan was in the run-up and release of the first movie. Right. Between... So that, that was... I mean, I spent, like, the 90s, like, pretending, like, you know, thinking about who would be in the X-Men movie with that as an impossible... 
mm. option. And I just wanted, I, I mentioned a few moments ago, I was waiting for my, my optic glass to start blasting. Who after the year 2000 even wanted to be Cyclops? Screw that. <laughs> we'll get into this in this film, but Cyclops was my favorite as a kid. And, but he's always been done dirty because how do you make people like Wolverine make them hate Cyclops? <laughs> Whereas in this film, the first X-Men film with no Hugh Jackman. Apocalypse didn't have Jackman? Had a cameo. They break oh, Weapon X. Weapon X, got it. See, yeah, see, another film I almost forgot. Yeah, the first one without him in it at all. Even the two Deadpool films have like little jokey shots of him. And yeah, so finally, Cyclops is actually all right in this film. I liked him. <laughs> <laughs> he does suck in the comics too once Wolverine shows up. But... Yeah, exactly. But it's just because it's like, how do we make people like Wolverine? Dick over Cyclops. I like Cyclops. <laughs> anyway, you, you said you... We... we um, had to delay this podcast a bit. There was a big typhoon and the train stopped running and I have to actually walk 10 kilometers just to do this podcast. <laughs> but, um, so you say you've forgotten the film already. I mean, I exaggerate a bit. I know. But there's, like, there's no... I don't remember any emotions. Mm. I don't remember... Maybe I remember feeling like, oh, that was a good fight. But yeah. there's no, like, whoa, I remember that bit. Or even any, what the fuck was... It's just, I am watching a film. Yeah. A film is happening in front of me. Honestly, the I, film has happened now. I, I, I did not see Apocalypse in the theaters, um, but I've seen it maybe three times now, and I can't remember anything about Apocalypse. So. This and First Class are the only ones I didn't see in theaters. Ah. <laughs> so yeah, X-Men, the first X-Men film, is it before Spider-Man? Yes. But yeah, that was essentially the start of the modern superhero film age, right? Yeah, basically. We only had Blade before that. <laughs> yeah, and then before that was like... Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. <laughs> I mean, there were oh, the Batman's yeah. and, of course, Chris Reeves. For Marvel, Superman. though. This, but that, for Marvel, this yeah, there was the nothing, road. right? And then this was huge. This was like the event film of the year. Yeah, so by X-Men 2, I was so hyped. Uh, I was 14 years old, went and saw X-Men 2 with my buddy. Really excited. And then on the walk home, I kept trying to run around acting like Wolverine jumped up a wall and fell over and broke my nose. <laughs> and then, yeah, since then, watching the films made me get back into reading the comics and now I class myself much more as an X-Men fan. Did the healing factor kick in? No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's when the breathing problem started. Is that my mutant power? <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> On we go. In the past of 1975, young Jean Grey telekinetically murders her parents, or at least one of them, because she doesn't like classic rock playing on the car's stereo. In the future of 1992, the universally loved X-Men, with Jean Grey in tow, scam a spaceship in order to save a solar flare threatened space shuttle. The X-Men save the astronauts, but find themselves under the glare of that same solar flare. Jean uses her telekinetic abilities to save them in a move that would surely kill her, but instead greatly heightens her powers, 
It takes just one swig of the alcohol at a Xavier school kegger to prove that this experience has significantly altered dear Jean, and she goes off to uh, find herself, I guess. First, she finds her father, who actually did survive that murderous classic rock car ride. He had given her up to Xavier. And when the X-Men show up, she expresses her displeasure by injuring Quicksilver and murdering that old standby, Genlaw Mystique. Next stop on the Magical Mystery Tour is Magneto's Mutant Island. He's a bit curious about the Mystique blood on Jean's shirt, but listens until the U.S. military comes a-looking for Jean. Even Magneto is not condoning Jean's telekinetic helicopter flipping, and Jean flies away. Now, Jean ends up flying away to New York City, where the creepy, shape-shifting ETs that have been lurking in the background of this movie convince Jean to join their club. They've been tracking down an absolute cosmic force that has taken residence in Jean from that ill-fated flight earlier in the flick. Meanwhile, Magneto learns from the Beast that the Mystique blood on Jean's shirt was authentic Mystique blood and becomes quite pissed off at that fact. Pissed off enough to head to New York City to kill Jean. Of course, the X-Men have also been on Jean's trail, and the X-Men and Magneto's forces have a bit of a soiree in the New York streets to have a crack at reaching Jean. Magneto makes it there first where Gene smushes his head, made possible by Magneto's stylish metal helmet. With nods to young Nightcrawler, Xavier also makes it to Gene, who then teaches the paraplegic to walk again, painfully. X-Men fight, Cyclop blasts some optic blasts and bitches about love. But in the end, it is Gene who stops listening to the shape-shifting ETs, blasts herself into space, and heroically sacrifices herself before even having the chance to blow up a random planet of five billion aliens. But not before a bunch of X3-style trains, possibly trucks, power-stealing collars, and some X-Men mutant kung fu pyrotechnics. In the end, Xavier steps out of this game, the school renames itself after Jean, and a now happily blue beast is the new headmaster. Continuity police, this is Exhibit A. Do what you will. You want to know something? I really do. You really do. I just I just did the synopsis, and that was the first time I was comfortable saying Magneto. Magneto? Do you always you read it Magneto? Yeah. <laughs> I like, I think it was like the 2000 X-Men movie. I was like, oh, it's Magneto. It makes more sense, Magneto. Because he's like a magnet. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I guess because I'd watched the cartoon before I'd ever read a comic book, in my head, he's always been Magneto. Yeah, it's just when I, you know, it didn't seem right to me because he's, he's like a magnet. What's a magneto? <laughs> That's a line from the first film. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, 
Yeah, so do we just get straight into Jean on this? It's a character that we talk about. Yeah, I guess we've got to. She's like the focal point of this film, and Sophie Turner's an okay actress, but I they didn't do any groundwork to make me care about her. They made Apocalypse, I guess? Yeah, but she is not in it that much. I don't remember Apocalypse, as I said. <laughs> like, they, they introduce, like, a young crew of mutants in Apocalypse, so we get... Gene and Scott, Nightcrawler, a little bit of Storm. But they're not major characters. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird team at this point, which is basically because they're, like, halfway trying to pay attention to their continuity while at the same time flushing it all down the toilet. Yeah. Um, I, I put in my notes, this this line of, of X-Men makes zero sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bugger. In terms of the comics... In term, you, <laughs> you want to say why you said bugger? That's worth a note. <laughs> I just dropped my ring pool into my beer. There we so go. I'm going to slice my throat up at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll just, it'll just be Matt Sci-Fi Sanctuary. He can't talk anymore. I'll get one of those one of those things that like smokers have where they plug it into their neck like, hello, Trayana. my name is Luke. I am Luke. I want to talk about the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if that's how you have to talk about the X-Men, that's what you do. I was going to say, that's probably a bit ableist. We shouldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, if it was, that's it's very X Men. <laughs> okay. Oh shit! What was I saying? This line of X Men makes no sense. This line of X Men makes no sense. Oh, um, Dark Phoenix really can't be a movie. Oh, yeah, it has to at least be like two movies, right? It can't be a movie. It can't even be two movies. Why? I, I think they kind of felt like okay, we had Apocalypse. It can be two movies. Here's the thing, um, I told you, I just, I just re-ran, re-ran, re-read the run right. of X-Men, and I, I had read that particular run several times, but um, there's the space shuttle incident where Jean mm. tries to hold them all together and comes out of the world. She's Phoenix now, and I guess everything's fine. She actually kind of leaves the team, helps them out. There's 30 issues of Jean just kind of being around, sort of on the sidelines, sort of like Xavier. You usually can't put... Xavier in the center of action because he can solve most Every problems. Problem too easily, yeah. That was the problem with Phoenix. Phoenix was overpowered. Right. So f- she's pretty much, pretty much nice old Jean for the most part. And uh, it takes 30 issues with her helping out a few times and once um, engaging herself with like the cosmic crystal of reality or something, which is, I guess, a deal too. But uh, <laughs> it takes quite a while. We get quite a lot of Jean Grey before things go off the rails. Right. Which you just, you could never do that in a movie. You'd have to make like five movies for well, that's, that. Well, that's all, superhero comics are very episodic. Like, like mm. so the most villains suffer in movies because they have to appear, become their nemesis and be defeated once and for all in one movie. Whereas like Green Goblin's a great villain because him and Peter have 60 years of comic book <laughs> history, right? But Doc Ock works out okay in uh Spider-Man By being utterly not the character from the comics. Yeah, but it still works out. They, they play that yeah. in the movie. Um, I mean, Magneto's the one who works because they do bring him back. Yeah, and even the in the original X-Men, I mean, there's enough There's enough there to make him make sense. Well, yeah, it worked in the way that um, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader work in the original Star Wars in that they just hired two really good actors <laughs> to imply all of the history. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but, yeah, I just feel like the Dark Phoenix involves this 
getting great power, actually having a slow burn where you try to use your power to some good, you're a little worried about the power, eventually something trips you up. It takes a while for that to make sense. Oh yeah, I would argue the same of Spider-Man's black suit. Yes, definitely, that didn't work in that movie so well. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to do a story which is meant to be... It worked because it's a background story where you do other A-plots. But the black builds to be in the main. The story. black suit just showed up originally to be a toy. Oh, because Secret Wars. Secret, he gets in yeah, Secret Wars. The entire point of that line was to launch toys. Yes, I know. <laughs> it, the, it was the same change in laws, which pretty much went on to give us Transformers, where they made it. Oh, you now can make comics to sell toys. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, "Fuck it, Transformers, GI Joes, get them out the door, go." <laughs> I did read that in my run of X Men comics, and it's pretty half-assed. Yeah, I read it as a trade paperback. It is. No, and, and I just want to reiterate the the actual X Men run and the New Mutants run of that period are really good. Yeah. They're they're better than eh, pretty much any X Men movie. Maybe Days of Future Past is pretty good. Yeah, let's watch that again. That was Days of Future Past worked as a film. Yeah, X Two works as a film. Yeah, but like X Men and X Men Two are good, but they're doing like real basic bitch X Men stuff. Yeah, and and look, we're already starting to take a piss on this film because it's a film you piss on. <laughs> but here's the thing: I'm prob like I'm probably gonna watch this several more times. <laughs> I- I can't tell you what I think about this film. Just help. Please stay. Keep listening. I will. <laughs> like, is this a good film? Is this a bad film? I think with the X-Men films, as each one goes, they make less and less sense. <laughs> and the characters work less and less well, which we're finding at a maximum here. But the X-Men action does yeah. increase with each film. The X-Men action in this movie, when they're battling out in the streets, battling on the train, that is some great X-Men action. Yeah, you're seeing characters use multiple different powers in multiple different ways to... Well, my favourite fight was the fight where some of them are trying to get Jean, some of them are fighting against Jean. The final fight I didn't like as much, because although the X-Men were doing lots of cool, interesting powers, they were fighting guys with boring powers. But it's most interesting when you're seeing a whole bunch of different powers play off each other. Right. You want to know what the first X-Men battle on film that really knocked my socks off was? X-Men 3, the fight in the house. A, not the fight in the house, the fight in Alcatraz. Where, oh, really? Because Shadowcat, is she Shadowcat in that? Yeah. She's using her power. Everyone, that's what, what you said. Everyone is using their powers for different yeah. ends. Which, X2 is a great movie, but it doesn't quite have that. And um, X3 doesn't, it doesn't work so well. Um, I actually might give the nod to this movie over X3, uh, Dark Phoenix being, but um, yeah. that, that Alcatraz battle just felt like, oh, I'm actually watching the X-Men having a battle now for the first time. Kind of, but then there was also just like they were throwing flaming cars and it was just very... They throw flaming cars in the comic books. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like... Story... I, felt, I felt like the other fight earlier had better... Yeah, I guess that was because cool, too. Because it was too. just, like, a, few, a smaller scale, so you could watch everyone's interactions more. Yeah, again, I'm coming from the, the reading the 80s comic books, and mm. I feel like, yeah, you throw your flaming cars and you use your powers. As oh, also, it has the great bit where, we're talking about X-Men 3 at the moment, but whatever, Magneto's <laughs> like, no, no, the pawns go first. <laughs> and stops the guy with the shittest power ever. Like, he's not a pawn. The guy with just the inch-long spikes on his body. <laughs> Like, that, let that guy go and get himself killed. He's, yeah, he's shit. Well, let's leave that into um, the fact 
these X-Men movies have been now riding on 10 years on the fact, almost 10 years, that Jane McVoy and Michael Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence are freaking good actors. They're no longer in a good movie, so but they're still good actors. They, presumably, when X-Men First Class came out, which is... Is that the best X-Men film? Not enough Jackman for me. Oh, really? I like Jackman. Yeah, but he was overdone in places. He anyway, was overdone. It's a good one. Yeah, um, it's a good one, no no doubt. Um, they got, <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence was in there to play Mystique, and presumably because that's where, how way Hollywood works, she signed a three-film three deal. Um, but that movie kind of ends like it could be... They just made that one, and it's a prequel to X-Men 1. Because she goes off with Magneto, Xavier fans, blah, blah, blah. Then... I feel like just after that, Jennifer Lawrence became the biggest actress in the world. <laughs> and they were like, shit, we're rewriting the next two sequels to be all about Mystique. <laughs> <laughs> but then by this one, she's barely in it. So I feel like they just got her in for a... It worked well in Days of Future Past, though, because Mystique actually is the villain in that. So that yeah. played well. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's different. I, I know that. That's fine. But, uh, but, you yeah, know, but it, it should it, be Kitty Pride going back in time. But it, it works. It's good. It, well, it also, they using Wolverine to bridge the two films was a really nice... Yeah. And she leads the X-Men now. Is that what Mystique does? I literally don't remember what she does in Apocalypse. I don't remember her being in Apocalypse. I know she's in it. I yeah, just don't like, remember. And she leads the X-Men. Yeah. She's like okay. their Cyclops. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> because Jennifer Lawrence is a big actress. So I, I think you pointed this out to me not so long ago that... Um, each X-Men film, if you take continuity with one before and after it, they work. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. if you take them as a whole, they're completely screwed. But these, the McAvoy series especially, because they're set ten years apart, but no one ages. <laughs> we were delving a bit and you opened a can man yeah no, I you thought I'd get you back <laughs> <laughs> anyway we were delving we were delving a little bit into the uh, actors let's delve a little bit deeper who do you want to talk about well I was watching this film with my girlfriend and sort of halfway through the film and I was like this this isn't the shit as I'd heard <laughs> but I turned to her I was like is this good <laughs> and she's like well yeah but not the acting <laughs> and I was like oh really I don't really cut but James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender are very good actors. And Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, I mean... uh, But Mm. a lot of this film follows this young cast, not so tested, not such good actors, and um, who we are not invested in. And so you often see a big gulf in quality between the good actors and the new actors in this film. I think they throw most of that... Onus and it, I give me who's the beast? Do you know the beast actor? Oh, he's the kid from About a Boy, but I can't remember his name. Anyway, he's great. I feel like they throw a lot on his shoulders because he's kind of an X Men, but he's kind of with the uh, the old school or the mm. first class folks. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he gets a lot to do here. Um, a lot more than the beast gets to do in uh, this actual character arc. But um, I feel like they're like, okay, he's he's pretty good. He looks kind of young. He kind of fit, even though he's supposed to be like forty at this point. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Oh, yeah, because he's, like, had a whole thing with Mystique in the previous ones and stuff. So him and Magneto have, like, a, a team up here. Mystique can look Mystique can look young. She controls her look. Um, McVoy, yeah, okay. I still think they should have just had him lose his hair slowly over the films 
instead of having it happen as like a weird sci-fi thing in Apocalypse. Yeah, it definitely runs raw that uh, she visits, he visits Jean with her in one iteration without in another mm-hmm. and looking much older. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess you get good actors and you work with what you can. And these films are... Here's the thing. Like, like you said, Sony is trying to get the most out Fox. of their... This Sony is Spider-Man. This is Fox. You're right. This is Fox. Fox is trying to get the last uh, sips of their property. So they don't give a shit about any continuity. Yep. <laughs> Talking of McAvoy being good, this is the best they've done of Xavier in the films so far. Oh, yeah. They, they don't even do this in the comics. They hint at it in the comics. But, um, I know. Xavier, other stories they do it. This is part. where Xavier really realizes what an asshole he is <laughs> and quits because of it. <laughs> it's also interesting. This is the first time in the films we've seen the X-Men as, like, superheroes. Yeah, they're loved, which and they're always hated in the comics. Well, it comes and goes, right? There are times when they're a bit I don't more... think it ever quite comes, because even when they were like in their more happy-go-lucky phase, like no one really knew who they were. People were like, oh, are you the Avengers? No, we're the X-Men. And then they're like, oh, later on they have to... I think it comes out when but they... Like, have... That whole initial Stan Lee run doesn't really get into the... Oh, not at all. I'm hating at all, right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of starting X-Men with the all-new, all-different yeah, like, yeah, thing, but... Uh, you know, they're kind of, they're kind of obscure... Mm. And then they need to, um, since they start out as a government job, same as in the movie, so that does actually hold, huh. they need to break into the Pentagon and erase all their files, which starts to peg them as terrorists. Uh. And then they need to save someone and break into, like, uh, like NORAD, which makes them look like terrorists again. So, basically, uh, in the mid-'80s, the X-Men were seen uh, by everyone as terrorists, yeah. which yeah, is that's... the opposite here. The animated series gets into that a lot, and that's the one I'm most familiar with. Okay. So in that, they are always, yeah, hated the villains. But in this, yeah, you get a brief spell of them. Oh, look, Xavier's got what he was going for. Well, I think the uh, comic line is sworn to protect a populace that hates and fears them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the X-Men at the beginning of this movie. They, they, they get to swag a spaceship out. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked well because it kind of... It's like again, well, partially just because it's something we haven't seen, right, in these movies, and I mean it cheats a little bit and gives you a like, ah, oh, no, look, they're happy, they're good, so now you should care when it goes bad for them. Well, let's look. But where, it does kind of work. Let's look where it goes bad for them in this movie. Uh, Jean keeps the spaceship together and saves everyone because Xavier basically orders her to do that. Well, isn't that kind of the theme, right? In the reason the X Men are beloved. Is because Xavier has pretty much just turned his back on mutant kind. Yeah, but in the comics... To please mankind. Yeah, the point of the comics here is, um, I think Xavier's out of action when she does this. She makes the choice herself to do this, to save mm. the X-Men. Right. Not Yeah, not to save... She's actually saving the X-Men and uh, is sure to die and come well, back to Well, uh, that's... X-Men 2 did it that way. But she didn't come back till X3 in that case, and she was straight up evil at that point. Yeah, yeah, they skipped Good Phoenix. <laughs> Again, so. getting back to the point where she gets the powers and becomes like this overpowered superhero. That was the issue. Uh, you, you can actually look in like the letters columns where people are like, well, gee, Phoenix is so overpowered. How is this going to work? Like before mm-hmm. Dark Phoenix happened. That's how, that's how it turns out, isn't it? Which is yeah. pretty genius from a writing standard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe this is where it started, but I feel like that's a trope in like, superpowered stuff now, is when a character gets overpowered, you have to then... They have, like, a heel turn to make it 
to keep the stakes there. Yeah, I know post-crisis Superman was much underpowered. I think they've reversed all that, but... When... They, they always cut his powers and slowly build it back up. <laughs> but you can't really treat a, Superman X, a Superman-esque power level the way you treat other superheroes. Mm. The story is not, oh, will he save the day? Because you know he will. But again, um, I, I do think a big thing in this film is in the comics, Jean sacrifices herself and gets the powers. Where in the movie, in this movie, Xavier basically orders her to do she it. She kind of makes the cool, but yeah, he's she, yeah, he's pretty pushy on that. So and and that does. I mean, that's where you say Xavier's character arc works here. He makes that call and sees the consequences. And but then they also get into the stuff from X Men Three where he like messed with her mind and stuff when she was younger. That's also in the comics, so... Okay, but, like, he does... In X-Men 3, he kind of gets away with it. He doesn't get away with well, it he, here. <laughs> he, I mean, he dies in X-Men 3, so yeah. maybe not, but... He, he, it's, like, Logan has, like, one line of, like, well, that was shitty of you, and then that's it. Yeah. Whereas in this, like, people are like, Xavier, you're, you're a fuck. What are you doing? <laughs> like, I, I want to hit two more points, just, um, against the gene here and the gene in, in the comics. Um... One being the gene here, you know, she thought she murdered both her parents. It turned out to be one, but she's really, I mean, psychologically screwed up because of her family life. Right. In the comics, she has two living and loving parents and a living and loving older sister. Yes. I can't remember Jean's sister. She gets her, she, she's not much, but she's there. Okay. Um, Oh, no, I'm thinking of all the clones. Yeah. <laughs> she gets her powers, and she originally, not gets her powers, but recognizes her powers. Uh, her friend gets hit by a car when she's, like, 13, and she, as the friend is dying from the car accident, like, she goes into her mind for the first time. That's how Jean gets her powers in her comic. Oh, yeah, it's not from, like, bad. murdering her parents. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a big difference. I mean, she's pretty screwed up in this movie. She's cute, but she's screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> I knew some girls like that in high school. <laughs> but I, I feel like that's a big difference between, be, uh, between the motivations. I mean, just where she's coming from is much more stable. So she's got the power and still corrupting her. Here, of course she's getting corrupted. She's already pretty screwed up. Well, I mean, I guess if you're thinking we have to do Dark Phoenix in one movie, then that's a smart move. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. I, again, I'm going to keep coming on as the farty old man who just likes that original comic line and thinks you got to do like a 30 episode TV show. Maybe, maybe like the animated series, which I didn't watch. But yeah. <laughs> I've been hitting comics. Hit me up. Tell, school me, man. Tell me about Dark Phoenix in the animated series. It was a little faster than you'd like, but it was at least spread over like a five part or something. I watched like, I think they did in like three parts or something in a later animated, which I did watch, but. Uh, right. Just just for other old farts like me, can you give us a quick rundown? Do you remember? I mean, I watched it in the 90s, Matt. Okay, okay. <laughs> I've read, I've listened to a podcast since, but... Um, okay. Yeah, if you want that, go listen to Days of Future Cast. Okay, there, there's a plug. <laughs> no one paid us to make that plug. Nope. Okay. But I, it is good to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I like those guys. I had one more gene point. Where is it? Where is it? Crap, I lost it. What do you have for me? Um, oh, yeah, so getting off gene for a second... Soundtrack? Let's do soundtrack. Oh, I was going to do Cyclops, but... Let's do soundtrack first, because all I wrote is I felt like they nicked the Armageddon soundtrack, and you told me you had something to say. Yeah, so I was listening to it, and I was thinking, huh, whoever did this soundtrack watched um, Interstellar recently. This sounds like little hints of the Interstellar-like emotional scenes. 
It doesn't have all it's that. It's Hans Zimmer. Org. Oh. This he... is the first time I've ever heard a phoned-in Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that usually does stand out. But, like, that is pretty, like, symbolic of this whole film. Like, it's talented people and they're doing good stuff, but there's no passion. It's just, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Cyclops? Yeah, I like Cyclops. I, I want to get Cyclops' pants. <laughs> uh, yeah, as a kid, Which Cyclops one? was my favorite. I like James Marsden. I was about to ask if it was James, but... Uh, I yeah. like him, he's alright. Um, yeah, so... I like Cyclops in this movie, though. Yeah, I was going to say. He... Because he's not playing the square. <laughs> like, he's... Like, he, well, he's playing the role Logan had in X-Men 3, which is Gene's love interest. Whereas, you know, it's actually reciprocated here so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just creepy and weird <laughs> well he does get vaporized very quickly for that doesn't he yeah. but like the, the line I love is when they get their one acceptable 12A F-bomb <laughs> Charles is there trying to give his speech and Pycops is just if you hurt her I will fucking kill you it's <laughs> like yes mate fucking have some passion have some character be someone for he takes and then he's using his beams he's fighting he's doing cool stuff <laughs> But yeah. He takes her to all the wrong parties, though. Just one swig of the stuff, and she goes nuts. Yeah, well. <laughs> Reefer Madness style. Yeah, I don't think he can be blamed for her he being a lightweight. Maybe they should have just had a Netflix and chill evening. <laughs> or they should have just included a scene where we just see her chugging shot after shot. And getting absolutely <laughs> wasted. <laughs> it's like, it is like she has, like, oop, she's had, like, a cup and a half, that's too much beer. As if it'd just been like her just pouring tequila from the bottle all over her face. <laughs> but if the movie does make any bold choices, it's making a relatively likable Cyclops. Yeah. In the comic, he's he's your hero originally. He's the leader of the X-Men. He gets yeah, he's a little... the Leonardo, right? The Yeah, he doesn't really start to get screwed up until Gene dies. <laughs> Which is understandable. Yeah, he quits, and then he's not quite the leader, and he's really not the leader, and then there's X-Factor. Anyway... He does become a complete asshole in the comic books, and I believe that is his role now in the comics, even though I don't read them these days. But, yeah. like, but and, also, like, a very understandable one. No, in the second half of the 80s, it's very understandable. Right. I, think, I think now it's just, like, he's an asshole. No, but he's still, asshole. like, he's the leader of the X-Men, and the X-Men has to deal with shit, so sometimes he has to do bad shit. I think sometimes he becomes a little bit Again, we've the not read them most Yeah, yeah, we're not so recent. But I think he gets, like, pretty weird these days. Oh, yeah, because then he, like... Apparently he's got a thing for telepaths because he just moves on to Emma Frost and stuff. <laughs> right, but in the he he gets completely mind fucked in the comics. So Gene dies. He kind of goes. He starts to like get leveled out. Then he meets Madeline Pryor, who's a clone, the first clone yes. of Gene Gray. He marries her. He has a child with her, who turns out to be Cable. Yes, and, who is uh, also like the best character in fiction. So <laughs> <laughs> then he hooks back, then Gene comes back, he hooks with her, and then they have a, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, of course he's an asshole. If you have to deal with that much, you're not coming out well in the end. But then also he's got to lead, you know, the X-Men who are constantly dealing with. Oh, uh, it's X-Factor at that point. Well, no, but throughout his life. He's <laughs> Those are the original X-Men now. <laughs> groups of essentially terrorists fighting the oppression of a minority group. Have, have trying you met X-Factor? Some of it. Their original conceit is that they were like Ghostbusters, like mutant hunters. Ah. 
that dropped after like I'm sure 12 I issues. Had, but not much of it. Yeah, it, it, it didn't work after like 12 issues, but that was the original thing. Oh, they're mutants, but they're posing as mutant hunters. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Sorry, I, I thought you meant they actually were, but now I remember the whole they pose as. Yeah, because then they help like sneak dangerous mutants out and say they've killed them or whatever. But okay. yeah, like, and then also I always liked the thing the reason he's a master tactician is because part of his mutation is he instinctively understands the angles his beams will go. Wow, I know that makes so much sense. It's it's canonically no, because he's doing his like eight ball, you know, pool shots, and I was like, how does he know? Okay, that's part of mutation, and because of that, he's a master tactician. Holy crap! I just read the whole run. I didn't catch that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I don't know when they bring it up. Okay, but maybe that's not till like nineties or two thousands. Okay, but yeah, that's why he's. Well, hey, it retcons well. Yeah. Yeah, well, there, that's the best kind of introducing okay. a new facet to a character. So we've talked our Cyclops, sense. we've talked our Gene, we've talked our McAvoy. Do we do enough Fastbender? No. He has the actual best line of this film. Hit me. There's always a speech, Charles, but no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, sorry. You're always sorry, Charles, and there's always a speech, but <laughs> nobody cares. Which was in the trailer, and I was like, yeah, that's... And in good. eight years, this guy is supposed to be... Well, it works for him, because... <laughs> I don't know what fucking age Michael Fassbender is. It's impossible to tell. He's hot in this movie. He's, he's just, he's I'm like, not gay, but he's hot. He's that dad kind of hot, right? <laughs> huh? He's the dad kind of hot. I guess. Cyclops is like the teen heartthrob hot, and then Fassbender's like hot for teacher hot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Anyway, uh, like... McAvoy just comes across kind of skeezy. We have such great actors in a sketchy movie, and uh, Fassbender, I think... I think that's why none of us can, like, decide if Prometheus was good or not. Oh, yeah, Fassbender is a great actor. Terrible (laughs) ability to pick what films he's in. He's so good in Prometheus, but the movie's not. No, I know. (laughs) And, I mean, I haven't seen it, but presumably he's good in Covenant as well. Mm. (laughs) Covenant? Covenant? And he's good in this. Yeah. I I didn't really figure this out until I was actually looking at the wiki page. You know, just kind of get all my my stuff ready here. But um, that kind of... Sketchy Island. It's supposed to be Genosha, right? Yeah! I was like, I didn't... Today, I looked at the week, I was like, it's supposed to be Genosha. I'm like, that's not Genosha. <laughs> Why are the Fox X-Men films so afraid of just calling things by their names? <laughs> <laughs> the aliens don't have a name. Genosha doesn't have a name. Half the characters don't get a mutant superhero. Sorry, the aliens, obviously. No, <laughs> oh, we haven't even mentioned there's aliens. That's because they don't matter in this movie. Right. Just I didn't know this film had aliens. And an Oscar-winning actress as here <laughs> who we haven't talked about yet. They're boring as fuck. Who wants to waste Jessica Chastain? Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Speaking of redheads, her she's not a redhead here, so she's. Eh. I think from the trailers, I thought she was Emma Frost. That would have made more. I was like, yeah, Hellfire Club makes sense. Dark yeah, Phoenix but she'd have to be like fifty now. Because yeah, they already in... did that in yeah, first class. <laughs> but like, nope, it's so so. Most of these cast are meant to be in their fifties and sixties, but they don't look it. They're not Skrull. They're not Shi'ar. Which would yeah, who are they? I mean, they're kind of. But not really. I guess they're kind of Shi'ar. Okay, the scrolls could shapeshift. The Shi'ar were searching for the Phoenix Force. Yeah. But then the leader of the Shi'ar was like in love with Xavier, so... They had like slightly stripy faces and they shapeshift, so I kind of thought scroll. Yeah. It wasn't like a whole thing of like they had a deal with Marvel or something. They could have easily just not been aliens. Um, nothing would either be added or removed from Like the in the comic? Where it's right. the Hellfire Club? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but like I guess because it's... But then once, you know, once you get into Dark Phoenix, you have the Shi'ar and everything. 
but that's because it's, everything starts happening on a grand cosmic scale. Right. But still, here, it's still just like small fights on trains. <laughs> but for some reason, these guys are aliens. Oh, that was the other thing I wanted to hit on Gene. Sorry, let's go back to Gene for a moment. Um, Gene, never in the movies, but the whole thing in the comics is she destroys five million sentient beings and then becomes Jean again. That's the whole thing. She has the power to destroy a world. She's already done it. Yeah. In the movie, she never actually uses this power in yeah, such a like, way. Yeah, she kills like three cops in Mystique. Yeah. She, like, she doesn't kill five billion sentient beings. Blows up a house or something, but yeah. But yeah, it's like, she like briefly becomes Dark Phoenix and goes back to Phoenix or whatever, right, for the trial. Which is more next three did. <laughs> no, I mean in the film, in the comics. Oh right, right. She kills herself in the comics. Oh, she like activates a gun and shoots herself with it or something. Yeah, that she knew was there. She was planning it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that makes her a hero. Where X three in this movie makes her a victim. She kind of is a hero in this one. She at the end sacrifices herself. Yeah, kills but the alien, or whatever. But yeah, for most of the film, she's property which other people, are, which yeah. men are fighting over. But, and in X-Men 3, even more so. <laughs> just, like, Wolverine kills her for her. Right. Like, Please penetrate me, strong man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but let, let, let... You know, let's just, let's just paint a vista on the comic. She's... It's, it's the X-Men supporting her because they love Jean on that last mission. The X-Men get utterly defeated. The Phoenix Power's coming back out and she's planned the whole time that this is the moment she's just going to blast herself. I mean, that, that's a hero move, which she just doesn't... I mean, it's even, that's a plan move, too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, it's at the last minute. She just decides, oh, I'm just going to grab this thing and fly up into the space and explode. Again, that's where you need a very long story arc to really make the Dark Phoenix well, and, work. Well, that's also... It works because you'd had decades of comic books to show that... Scott and Gene and the X-Men love each other and our You haven't had that many decades when it came out, though, because X-Men was offline for, like, five years. So there wasn't that much. They just... Well, yeah. more than half a film. Okay, we had more like than half a The film. latter half... Well, even in X-Men 3, X-Men, what, X-Men and X-Men 2 had a small core cast of X-Men. Mm. So at the time of X-Men 3, we cared about Gene, Cyclops, Wolverine, Storm. They were... But she just comes back straight up evil. Yeah, She's but... never particularly good. No, but they'd had two films of her being good Gene, so everyone was like, wasn't willing to accept that that Gene wasn't still in there, right? Right. Okay, two more small thoughts. Uh, Med Lab scenes next three and Dark Phoenix, I actually confused them in my mind. <laughs> you you mentioned Beast. that to me, but they do, I, I don't think the Med Labs are that similar. Yeah, okay. Uh, other oh. one, uh, Nightcrawler? Yeah, why, why is... Why has he got those, like, scars that he's drawn all over himself if he's just a happy-go-lucky Yeah, team? otherwise I like Nightcrawler here, but I was wondering why this those were there. This is closer to comic Nightcrawler, right? He was Except never that grim and brooding. Yeah, he- exactly. The scars make no sense. <laughs> I don't think whoever did his makeup in this film understood why he looked like that in X-Men 2. They just looked at a photo. <laughs> a question straight out of your notes uh, my notes your notes no they're my notes um, is it better when the X-Men fight evil mutants or external threats to me the X-Men work best when it's just mutant stuff not necessarily fighting mutants so I like it when they fight sentinels 
or they fight, you know, the government. But it has to, it's all, it's a story, right? It's about something. You don't want them to fight the Molecule Man or no. Galacticus. I, okay, let's talk about the real villains in this movie. The MCU. <laughs> so, well, literally at one point, because the guys who arrest them all have MCU written on their uniforms. <laughs> I guess it's like a containment unit or whatever. But right, this film exists because the MCU is a monolith. And well, Fox is like, oh, we've got the X-Men, we should pump out movies. It came out like Fox was like, ah, you know, while it's still good. We've got to pump out these X-Mens. And, and then, yeah, so now Marvel, well, Disney owns Fox, which is terrifying because... They do? Yes. That is terrifying. Okay, yeah. move on. Like, 90% of the films that come out in America are Disney at this point. Remember, everyone, your media comes from four giant companies... And Matt and Luke's sci-fi sanctuary is independent. <laughs> <laughs> so support our Patreon. <laughs> Which we don't have. Let's time. not have this conversation again. No, if it's in the future. Okay. Um, Where are we? MCU. Yeah. So, I don't think I want the X-Men in the MCU. I think the X-Men work best when you pretend the rest of the Marvel Universe doesn't exist. I think that's right, but what if you real? What if you just punk rock them? That's what the eighties X Men were. They were they they once they were more included in the because X Men for the first twenty years were basically divorced from the MCU. But that's because the MCU was less of a thing at that point. Right, right. right. You had occasional crossovers, but it worked well for about ten years. But this is the X Men became more you know punk rock like Storm got a mohawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a bit of that in these films. But. Would that work if we put that X Men MCU as like this kind of screwed up punk rock group? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, think about that. I uh, think uh, it will work because the MCU are good at making films about characters with actual stories and stuff. Right, but. I like the X-Men when it's... Because it's about something. It's a metaphor, you know, be that for racial inequality or homosexuality or whatever. It's about a thing. And it works because you don't have to do all these superhero origins. It's just, yeah, there's just mutants. So here's stories. What if we throw in Tom Holland's Spider-Man, who seems to actually be the point man of the MCU now moving on. Yeah, which... <laughs> which was... That was, that was a near miss. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's throw him in with a bunch of people about his own age who are completely psychically screwed up with their great powers yeah. fighting an external threat. Does that work? Yeah, it works. It doesn't not work. <laughs> it's just... I feel like it's a waste of the X-Men to have them fight, you know... Doctor Octopus or whatever. So you're looking at the X-Men as always being a metaphor in the 60s and 70s civil rights. Um, they moved on to gay rights. Where are they on to now? I think they're on to something past gay rights. I guess now. it would be trans rights now, which makes the most sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, haven't had, they haven't really had the balls to do that recently. But, but the, the point is the X-Men have typically been a metaphor for civil rights. It doesn't have to be so explicit, right? But it ha it's about... Like, it's about mutants, and it's about they're hated by the people they protect, and blah, blah, blah. Right. And there's so many good stories in that, that just throwing in, oh, here's a random alien. Well, throwing in a bunch of aliens feels stupid and boring. No, it didn't need to happen in this movie. Do. You could even still have cosmic dark phoenix and leave out, yeah. you know, the Chastain aliens. Right. <laughs> like, that's why Magneto is one of the best villains in comics. Is he a villain? 
Well, again, we mentioned Secret Wars. Is he Wars. the hero of these stories? When he's beamed in on Secret Wars, he's actually put on the hero side. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that, that's probably the best part of the, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> like Magneto. Well, I'm often more inclined to agree with Magneto than Xavier on a lot of things. What's MLK and Malcolm X in the end, isn't it? <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, no. It's what white people think MLK and Malcolm X are. Especially in the late 70s. But, like, people have this idea that Martin Luther King was, like, super peaceful and polite. and Like, no, he was still very fucking angry with that system. He just knew how to get what he wanted through different means. But, Apparently it's a hell of a pool player. But, but pe- people have this idea, pe- like, conservative spokesmen like to use this idea of, like, Martin Luther King was polite and... No, 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 the discourse shouldn't be full of anger, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, shut up. Martin Luther King was furious. Yeah. I guess I'm pushing more the other end, though, with uh, Malcolm X. And Malcolm X, oh, you yeah. know, he was hardcore. But shortly before he died, and possibly the reason he was off, is he was starting to chill out. <laughs> like Magneto. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, Magneto has righteous anger, very righteous anger. Like, uh, he lashes out because of the fucking Holocaust. Yeah, he was in the Holocaust. <laughs> like, but then, like... He, even in this film, he uses violence when he has to, but he's learned to, to focus it. And when he sees ridiculous violence, like the uh, helicopter flip, that's when he uh, sort of gets cold feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this film, explicitly, Magneto is more heroic than Xavier. Oh, yeah. Xavier, Xavier is pretty much the villain of this film. But he's a bastard most of the comics, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I said this is the first film that did it. So you could make like. Patrick Stewart a bastard. He, he just, he's, you, want, you can't not like him. Yeah. Even when he screws up. I mean, he does screw up stuff in those movies, but he's the hero, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas um, McAvoy is perfectly fine to... Has Stewart played a villain? Is he villainous in Dune? I don't remember. He's, he's, not, he's not a major role anyway, right? He's weird in Dune. I need to, I need to watch that. <laughs> he's got hair probably. in Dune. Uh, right, so... <laughs> Mild spoilers for Logan. Skip ahead a minute if you need to. So, at the end of Logan, you know that bad, like the clone of Logan turns up and kills Patrick Stewart? Right. When I was first watching it, I didn't initially read that that was a different Logan. So, my read of that scene was Patrick Stewart remembered what he'd done when he killed the X-Men. And Logan had just been waiting all this time so that Patrick Stewart knew why he was killing him. Oh, that's pretty true. That would have been such a better ending. Man, that was a dark movie. But that would have been way darker and <laughs> a good character. Like, but no, it's just he had to. They threw in a clone for no reason, just so they could be a villain to fight at the end. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's look at dark but things yeah, here. But, okay, Logan. I, I think pretty much everyone would say that is a better movie. I don't imagine myself actually watching it again. I watch it one more time, maybe. Maybe. Like, but... every ten years, I'll be like, I want to watch the X-Men series, and I mm. end with Logan. But I'm going to watch... it's not like, I'm going to chuck Logan on, because I want to <laughs> see some X-Men powers and some fighting. Like, this movie is not as good as Logan. It's, it's not as good as most X-Men movies, but I- I'm going to watch it a few more times. A few nights ago, I went through my case, and I saw... Uh, What's in Japan, uh, Wolverine Zero... X-Men Zero, right? <laughs> the Wolverine yeah. Origins. And I was like, eh, no. I don't yeah. think I want to watch that again. But... I- I'll watch this again. That's another possible contender for the month of films we hate. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to watch Dark Phoenix and Apocalypse a few more times. I can't see myself throwing on Logan, as you just said. Yeah. But, may- I mean, even with this one, I might not watch the whole film, but I could see myself just fast-forward into that, <laughs> like, one or two of the good fights. No, I will watch all. So, oh, fun powers. I actually watched Apocalypse, like, three times. I like I liked Apocalypse. 
I like this a little better in Apocalypse, to be honest. Yeah. Now, this, this is, you know, like comparing turds, basically. But they're turds that smell good to me. Apocalypse <laughs> had a better villain. Yeah, Apocalypse. Apocalypse is pretty cool. Mm. Better than these freaking alien But maybe, is Xavier the villain here? Then he's oh, yeah, villain. in which case, a good villain. Yeah. yeah. But, so, um, it's just, I, I think you said to me, you, you watch an X-Men film, you want to see X-Men stuff, and Dark Phoenix delivers on that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are definitely bits where it feels like this movie was written with a higher budget than it was eventually filmed with. <laughs> the fights are all shifted to nighttime. They're like, there's never that big a set piece in a public place or anything. But it worked. I have fun with it. Yeah, it, it hit my X-Men buttons. There's so many things to complain, and there's so many things where <laughs> it just didn't work. But it, I don't know. It, it still entertains me. Uh, Logan is a fantastic film, which I can't watch. <laughs> well, this is my Terminator Terminator 2 argument last week. I like Terminator more. I like Terminator 2 more, but I still think Terminator, Terminator 1 is a better film. Logan is a better film, but maybe I had more fun watching this one. Yeah. I don't know. I, honestly, I, I'm down both ways as Terminator, but I will go with the Logan Dark Phoenix uh, sort of comparison. I just want to say one more oh, thing. Oh, one more thing. They totally wasted the 90s setting. Except for the, the most part, this film could be set today. Xavier's wheelchair is very 90s, and I liked it. Yeah, but like. Well, the X-Men's costumes were not 90s X-Men costumes. They were 60s X-Men yeah, costumes. they were awesome. <laughs> yeah, but if they'd leaned into like the 90s multicolored X-Men uniforms, it would look great. <laughs> Storm in the white and Cyclops in the blue and Jean in like... Mm-hmm. I guess she wouldn't be in the green yet because that's Phoenix. She yeah, just green. everyone Marvel in like... Marvel Girl wore green too. Okay, just everyone okay. in funky Marvel colors would have been great. But then um, they also... It's like, oh, here's the X-Men film, set in the 90s. What music will it have? Generic shit movie music, not the X-Men theme. We need a few video arcades, that, that's what we needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess that's our thought. We, we don't, I mean, it just came out, we don't know what to think here, so. You can find us on Twitter at MLSFSpod. Uh, we're also on Facebook, search for Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Uh, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or however you listen to your podcast. Make sure you give us a five-star rating and a review. Five. Apparently that helps. Um, you can find Matt making music at rovingsagemedia.bangcamp.com. You can find me on Twitter at Buskalili. I do a Pokemon podcast. It's at Luke Loves PKMN on Twitter. This has been Matt. This has been Luke. Get the fuck out of our sci-fi sanctuary. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you all!